Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. Do you need that? I hope you don't need it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I might need it today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Very glad to be here. I hesitated coming across while Frank was on the stage. It's, uh, it's uh, rule number one of public speaking. You don't stand on the stage with someone who looks more handsome than you. Are. And, and I'm, uh, I'm always intimidated by the man. I'll do my best wearing and dressing, and next to him I look like a wedding singer this morning. I'm very glad to be here this morning, and uh, it's really a great privilege, and I thank Pastor Frank for inviting us. Um, we love your church, and I have a, a long history with Faith Baptist Church. When I accepted the Lord as a um, 20 years old, my first church was a Faith Baptist Church. And the name always uh, dear to my heart. It was established by an uh, American missionary, Richard Hester, in Tripoli. Tripoli is the castle of Islam, even. But he started a church there, and I spent two years there. They were the best two years of my life. This is where I was set up in doctrine. And although that's been 30 years now or more, but nothing much has changed as far as doctrine goes for me. I'm still the same man. And then when I came to Australia, I sought. After Pastor Hester to find him and thank him, and he was in Sydney, pastoring Faith Baptist Church. And I was glad to meet him for the first time. Uh, I heard about him a lot, and years back, uh, years passed by, and uh, we're in Faith Baptist Church again. And, and, and I praise the Lord, it's not only the name, it's the same doctrine, the same gospel, and that was 30 years uh, back. And we thank the Lord for your faithful, for your faithfulness. We don't see you often, honestly, because of circumstance, but we pray often for you on Wednesday. And the name of your pastor is, always, is on a constant prayer list. We appreciate his work and what, what you're doing here, and we always... And we have some missionaries here, too, those garlic eaters, Lebanese, they uh, spread among you, and, and uh, we get your news from them. So, and, and we rejoice in what the Lord is doing here. So today, uh, if you have your Bible, let's open to Genesis 11, and I'll give my disclaimer. English is not my first language, so you might hear some strange word this morning. I'll try to keep it, and uh, if I get excited, I might spit some words that are not in English altogether, but, but I'll, try, I'll try to keep it to a minimum. So if you have your Bible, Genesis 11, and we'll read the first nine verses, and the whole earth was one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make a brick and burn them thoroughly. thoroughly. And they had a brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make an, us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this, that, and this they begin to do. 
and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the faith of all the earth. And may the Lord bless his word. Let's pray one more time. And Heavenly Father, we call on your promise that if we gather in your name, you'll be among us. And I pray, Lord, as we approach God's word, that we know it's not a job for a man, but we seek your guidance and your mercy on us that you open our heart and mind, and especially for me, Lord, uh, help me to really stay within the Spirit, guidance, and guard my mouth. And I pray, Lord, whatever I say tonight, somehow you turn it into a blessing to many hearts. We rely on you and no one else. In Jesus' name, we ask you. Amen. Amen. Uh, the book of Genesis, as you know, is the uh, big, uh, book of beginnings. Many beginnings uh, uh, start there, and as uh, 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 Brother Sparrow said on Friday, chapter 1 to 11 are very important to us, because they gave us really the old, all the beginnings. Uh, this is how we know where, how, where man came up, how man came on this earth, how women uh, w- w- was created. Uh, there we see the first command in the Bible, which was really simple and easy, and still man couldn't cope with it. Basically, God said, you do whatever you like, that tree don't touch. It was a single, simple law. But man still couldn't, couldn't fall with it. We see the first temptation there, the first sin, the first murder, the first reli- false religion. And, and above all, you see how God dealt with all that was love and mercy throughout. And really, there is a lot of learning to happen to, uh, f- from those. Uh, and that's why the evolution is like to take those bits and, and take them out. Because without origin, you'll be amazed how many things we don't know how to deal with. Often, when you get confused with any issue, uh, it's, it, it's good to go to see how it started in the Bible, see how God started it. Because one thing about our God, that he doesn't change. Whatever was right 6,000 years ago is still right today. Whatever was wrong 6,000 years ago is still wrong today. He doesn't stay, and that should give us peace in our heart, because if we were dealing with a God that changed over time, we're all in big trouble. So the time of that passage, we're not 100% sure, but the people who study the timeline of the Bible, they say it's definitely after the flood, but we don't know it's 100 to 300 years. 100 to 300 years. I'm more lean to the 300, but I have no business now convincing you this morning it's not important. But it's after the flood. God blessed Noah and his descendant. And uh, actually to understand what's happening here, why things are happening the way they are happening, we need to see the blessing that God renewed to Noah in chapter 9. So if you go meet, uh, or are read it in chapter 9, Uh, Verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Pretty much very similar to the same command he gave to Adam at the beginning. Replenish the earth. Basically, he's telling them, you go around and fill the earth. And we see straight away that 
this is not, this wasn't their plan here. They didn't like what God told them to do, and they have a different agenda and a different plan. And the first thing I want you to see, that as in the past, as today, when God says something, He really means it. And uh, if you have a different agenda, or I have a different agenda, or, or you have different plan, or you think you have a better plan, God is not backing off. Whatever He wanted done, it will get done. Whatever He, whatever he gives, whenever He gives a command, He really means it. And really, as you look at that passage, you have to ask yourself the first question, uh, what's with God? What's wrong with building a city? What's, uh, what's wrong with being unified? All they wanted is to stay together, remain together, and build a city. And you ask yourself, uh, isn't unity a good thing? We were all, always told that unity is a good thing. Building a city is a good thing. Maybe, if there isn't a command from God to the contrary. And straight away, you see, when you deal with God, you cannot deal with God with common sense. You cannot go the social agenda and apply it to God's command. You don't, you don't judge God, what God does by the standard of the day. He wanted them to go around, not build their city, and, and replenish the earth. So when there is a different command, we need to obey that. You can't judge things on faith uh, value. You can't take things and judge them by your common sense. It scares me uh, how, how I see Christians these days want to leave Christianity by common sense. doesn't work. Never worked. Actually, if you want to apply common sense, what they're doing is great. We have a name for it in English. It's called ambition. We want to build a city. We want to be independent. We want to rely on ourselves. I like what uh, uh, Peter Sparrow said on Friday, that we need to be ready to tell the next generation, give them answers, teach them about God, and be ready to give answers to some of the uh, questions that the evolution strikes. And all that is good. But let me tell you this morning, maybe the best lesson we can give to the next generation if we have a life consistent with God's command. If we take God's command seriously, when God said go replenish, we'll go. If God said stay, we stay. And actually if you scan over the first few chapters in Genesis 1 to 9, you see like people who made a big difference are always labeled with a cycle like Enoch or Noah. They said that Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. And these are the people who make difference for the next generation. And I wonder now nowadays if uh, our kids or the next generation, whoever, whoever they are, they look at our life and they say, Mom and Dad, a so-and-so Christian, a Brother Jamil, or, or whatever, they are really walking with God. Before we pull to the science and bring the argument, scientific argument, and we, all that is good, nothing wrong with it. But is our life consistent with God's command? What do you think the, uh, the next generation will think when we miss meeting of the church for no reason? There is a footy game, and I don't come. Or there is a birthday, and I don't come. Or I, even, I, I don't feel good. I just can't be backed. And oh, that preacher takes long. It's boring. <laughs> 
What do you think you what what is the message you're sending to the next generation? Before we get to the science, we need to live a life that is consistent with God's command. We need to take God's command seriously. We need to start opening that book as if our life depends on it, that every word that comes of God's mouth is important to me. And whatever he said is beyond argument. It's not this, oh, look, when God speaks in the Bible, uh, there are no suggestions. That's not something nice uh, to have. When he asks you to do something, he wants you to do it. When he said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the, as the manner of some is, he means that. He means that. Pull any scientific argument to your son, and then but if he sees you missing meeting left and right, one day here, one day there, you're not obeying God, and every time some difficulty comes, you put the Bible on his side, and you pull your own Bible to apply it, science is not going to work. Basically, you're telling him that, that the God I'm inviting you to worship, he's not a God for all season. He's only a Sunday God. We're all good on Sunday, look at you. I wonder what happened on Monday. What Bible do we apply on Monday? God said that man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, of God. Do you read your Bible? If your life is depending on it, Shouldn't we read it? And that's why you see when God say, go around and replenish the earth and say, no, we'll build a city, we'll stay here in unity, we'll make ourselves a name. Uh, God didn't take it nicely. And he looked at the center of their unity, their language, and said, I'll hit them. And it's not my topic today, but when God moves to judge, nobody can stop him. It's scary when God moves on us. And I don't want you to start shrinking in your sense and go, well, what the, it's a negative message, and uh, he doesn't know how much I suffer to work on Sunday. Uh, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Guilt doesn't help no one. But please, for God's sake, consider what message was your life you're sending to the next generation, was in the family or at work. So God is hitting at the center of that unity, language, and this is how we see the beginning of languages. Well, actually, it's a simple story, and it's never st stopped to amaze me how God really takes hard topics like languages or the creation of man or, or earth, and, and he speaks few words. And the atheist, the evolutionist nowadays, he went, he goes ahead and writes books and books and books and books on it, but nothing is going to change. We know how languages started. Genesis 11.1 1 said, And the whole earth was one language and of one speech. It's not, that a, it's not a topic, language is not a topic that often we think about. Because we're, we're used to multilingual society. We know. They speak French in France. They speak uh, English in Britain. Japanese in Japan. Something like English in Australia. 
and they speak Italian in heaven. <laughs> uh, I'm just just trying to find that positive chord with you today. But if you look around you and uh, the battle with the atheist does not have to be wholly scientific, although there is nothing with science. I was really blessed with what, what uh, Brother Spero showed us about science, and I spent a good time this year studying this stuff, and I still picked up a few things I've never heard before, so, and I hope you did too, and I hope you'll be here tonight too for a meeting and bring someone along. But the battle with the atheist, you need to, when you engage in any form of a battle, you need to define uh, the, the, the rule of engagement. It's not science. A Christian, uh, we're not scientists. I am not a scientist. Pastor Frank is not a scientist. The, the, the Bible is not a science book, although it alludes to science always correctly. And we need to understand what, 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 the, what are the two camps uh, advocating. We're a Christian. Our belief system is based on revelation. God told us things, and we believe them. It's as simple as that. Nobody really went, took the Bible and went study science and physics again and said, ah, the Bible is correct, then, then therefore I'll believe. Often you don't find it that way. Actually, I can tell you that I decided to believe God even before I read the Bible. Because I knew there is a God there. And at the same, when you look at the uh, evolutionists, and we have some big shots these days uh, running around, they are not scientists. They might have a degree or a PhD and wrote a book, but they are not coming from a science point of view. What they have, they have a belief system based on speculation. So they have, we have revelation from God that we believe, and they have a speculation that they make up stories. And there is no other way to describe it. And we're not belittling that those men are very smart. They have uh, their pillows in, in science. But really, when you hear someone like uh, Richard Dawkins, I don't hear a scientist. He's a false prophet who hates God. Full stop. And when he talks, he doesn't talk science. There is nothing scientific about saying that oh, we originated from some gel. This is not scientific. And when you ask him, where did that gel come from? Oh, we're working on it. This is not scientific. The man is a false prophet. He, he deceived millions of people and he continues to deceive. And the bit, the bit that scares me is not him. How easy for people to be deceived. How can you believe that we came from some gel and you don't ask yourself the question, what did that gel come from? And there is a more dangerous person you see on TV, the science guy. Uh, heard of the science guy? Bill, what's his name? Bill Nye, is that even more dangerous than Richard Hawkins. Because he comes on with a smile, and unlike Doug, uh, he does, Hawkins, he doesn't, he doesn't really uh, tell you that, that there is no God. So, uh, it doesn't matter, but God is not necessary. This is the command he gave. It's not necessary. If you believe in God, it's good for you. But it's not necessary you believe in God. But when you ask him a question like, all right, if you believe in, in how, how, how man originated uh, from apes or whatever through evolution, how did materia become consciousness? But basically, in a Christian term, how did the soul come about? And he has no shame saying it's a mystery. Or how did the sexes come about? How did they become male and female? It's a mystery. 
Uh, it's a mystery. It's not a scientific answer. If this was a good scientific answer, I'll score 100% on all my high school science. Whatever I, they ask something, I'll say, it's a mystery. <laughs> Those people are not scientists. You need to look around you. We don't need to be uh, uh, high-shot scientists to deal with evolution. Just look around you at simple things. Look at the fabric of society as we have it today. Simple things in life. And ask, how did they come out? Last week you had a wedding, I understand. How did marriage come about? Why is it the Christian, the Muslim, the Hindu? He loves she, she loves he. They have a ceremony and they decide they want to live together. Where did that come from? It's not evolution. God set it up. There was a he. He said that he is not good enough by himself. I'm going to create a helpmeet for him. And then he, I believe personally that God came down and performed the ceremony. He gave them command how what to do and go. Simple things. Even a simpler thing. How did the principle of rest came about? Why is it the whole earth, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, that works six days and rest the seven? During the French Revolution, they tried to try it, had to change it. They want to shorten it. Uh, the, the Communist Revolution tried to change it too. Nothing worked. Earth, as we know it, the evolution, even the evolution, they still function on a basis of six and one. How did that come about? And one of the more relevant to what our text today, how did languages came about? Why do I speak Lebanese, you speak Italian, and we all speak English, and that speak Polish, and that speak... What did they come about? Only Genesis give us a, a credible account as to how languages came into this earth. Science has no answers. There is thousands of languages nowadays. And I apologize, I'm going to do a lot of quoting because this is not my area. I have to s steal from someone to do. To, uh, so uh, there is a thousand of languages uh, in the world that they really go into a, under about a hundred, a hundred and some uh, mother languages in, in the 20 families. The problem with the one, uh, and actually the evolutionists have no answer whatsoever to how languages came about. There is, there, over time there were three, four theories, but none of them. We didn't have, as a Christian, do, to do anything to refute them. People who stand with language, the linguists, who are, most of them don't believe in God, they don't buy them. They don't make sense. For instance, when you look at those 136 languages, they, they, they come with a number uh, within each family. The languages within each family and the people who speak them are genetically related. How did that come about? Nobody, even nowadays, can, can explain why is it any two among those 136 uh, can emerge from a, a, a mother language. The linguists who study say that language and that language in their family, there is no way those two came from a mother language. It cannot be that Mr. A evolved, made the language, and that language is spread into those two. It can't be. Those languages are independent. They have no common roots. 
and we don't have answer. Richard Dawkins himself I, I agree that uh, nobody knows how language began. There doesn't seem to be anything like syntax, meaning a grammar, in non-human animals. So how did languages come about? Did they really evolve? Did Mr. Ape like evolve into speaking? They tell you, some of them will tell you, yes. But however, when you look at the history of languages, it doesn't suggest that. Historically, languages change in the wrong direction from evolution. Evolution, basically, we have something not very nice evolving into something better. Languages are not moving in that direction at all. They are not moving from a simple language to a more complex language. They are moving in the other direction. We're moving from a rich, uh, rich vocabulary, complex vocabulary, into a simpler form of languages. And really, we, in Australia, we know that. Well, if we compare Australian language, English, to Eng the English of Shakespeare, how long, how far did we move? And we're not getting better. So language is moving in a different direction. The, the estimate I read that even in the English language, about 65 to 85% of the original vocabulary is lost. We no longer use it. And although it's not our topic today, that's why we need to stick to our Bible translation, that stick to the old language. We cannot move on with the language. Because if what God said can be only captured by that vocabulary that was used 400, 500 years ago, and it's no longer used. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to translate what God said? If what he said, the vocabulary doesn't support it. And I know we will be a little bit soft-hearted. Oh, we want to bring it into today's language. You cannot bring God's, God's word into today's language. There's so much vocabulary missing. You can't. Somebody uh, years back... I don't know where he came from. He knows I read the King James, and I'm not judging you whatever you read, so I'm, don't read much into what I'm saying. He suggested to me reading the message. It's a very good book. It's a very good book. It's better than reading the Herald Sun. But it's not a replacement for God's word. And this is why when we come to God's word, it's God's word. If anyone wants a simpler, more easier English to say, this is me. English is not my language. It's not the language of my heart. But at the end of the day, when I open my Bible and I want to read, I want to know what God said. I don't want to know what people said or how people understood it. I want to understand it to myself. Many other attempts have been made to determine the evolutionary origin of language. I'm quoting from uh, George Gaylord Simpson. Even the, uh, and he, he goes with something profound after he said, they were, they were all, they all failed. So many other attempts have been made to determine the evolutionary origin of language and they all have failed. And this is, he made that statement, even the people with least complex cultures, and we need to think about that. Even the people with the simple, least complex cultures have highly sophisticated languages. So it didn't evolve. Their life is basic. Their way of life is very simple. 
But that language is still very sophisticated. It has syntax. It has a grammar. It has rich vocabulary. They can communicate about everything. And then there is the theory that, as I told you, like they call it the woof-woof theory. This is how I start communicating. The woof-woof th theory, basically, Mr. Ibe, so Mrs. Ibe, he loved her. <laughs> he fell in love with Mrs. Ibe. And all he could do is <laughs> And she understood. He want to get married. <laughs> then uh, several million years passed by, and Mrs. Ibe is no longer buying it. And then Mr. Ape met Mrs. Ape again and said, I'll better come up with something better. And started drawing hard to tell her that I love you. And she fell for it. She married him. Then another several billion years passed by, and, and Mrs. Ape is no longer buying it. And Mr. Ape, he want to impress Mrs. Ape, he started reciting poetry. So they start making sound, and those sounds became words. And this is really a very simplistic child way of understanding language. Language is something originating in the heart. It goes to the mind. It, it, it makes sound. Then that sound needs to fall in someone's ears, goes to their mind, and drop in their heart. Yeah. This is more than just making sound. Language is not just sounds. And again... Dr. Gipa, a German linguist, comes to, to our help. She's not a Christian. All assumptions that the human speech developed gradually from the woof of theory or that gesture changed incrementally into the adult audible language cannot be sustained. Another German, Germans are helping us a lot today. Uh, another German, Johann Peter, he said, like, if man, because the, the evolutionists, that, the linguists the, the, didn't like that theory. Then they come up with another. As I know, really, language didn't evolve. The ape, or whatever it is, evolved into man, but when man became a man, he invented language. And that man, coming to our help, he said, if it is supposed that man himself was the inventor, then he should already, before the invention of a speech, have made use of another kind of language. How did he learn and grow without communication or language? So man must have been clever and resourceful without processing speech, and this is evidently impossible. You can't. You can't. Mark Pajal, if this is how you spell his name, a professor at the University of Reading, he doesn't believe in the account of the Bible. But he says it's the most logical. It's the most logical. And he asks actually two, two important questions. He says, apes around the world can understand each other, and they can. How is it? So why is it intellectually superior human have around 7,000 distinct languages? This is not evolution. This is not for better. If I can still understand each other, why is it us, who are superior human beings, more, much smarter, we need so many languages to communicate? He continued to say, if a human evolved language in order to communicate with each other, why did language continue to evolve? If we're getting better, there should be less and less languages, not more and more languages. Because we're trying to reach to each other, communicate. We need to bring two languages into one so you and me can speak. Why is it that there is more? And he continued, although he denied the authority of the Bible, said that the biblical account seems more logical than what the evolutionists come up with.
What is the simple answer? God brought languages about. He tells us. If he didn't tell us, but they wouldn't have known. Would have assumed that God created people speaking different languages. But God said, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And he tells us the event that led to that judgment. And he told me judgment. It was a judgment. They start their unity was going against what God wants, and God tried aimed to hit at the center of their unity, their language, and send them all around with different languages. Confound, confused, he confused them. Why did God judge them? Because of what he said. And actually, it's not only a judgment, this is one of the most severe judgments for mankind up to that stage. There were many judgments before, but every judgment had a flag of grace with it. Like God judged Adam and Eve when they sinned, but they were a flag of Christ. He gave them a coat of skin. He gave them the promise of the seed with it. Even when evil came, killed his brother against God, uh, warning, God gave them a mark so he won't be killed. Even when God flooded earth, they were the rainbow. When God brought that judgment, you don't see any way back. And still, we can see that today. There is no way back. But God will fix it one day. We will all speak Lebanese in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Really, it is. You see, language is a divider. You don't feel that because you're born in Australia, but for me it was, was really hard when I came here. Especially when you go to those robots working at McDonald's and you talk to them and... uh, uh, I'm looking there and I, I don't understand what's in there. I, I don't know what that is. He said, well, it looks like a potatoes. <laughs> and can I have some potatoes? I said, we don't sell potatoes. So what is that thing? <laughs> it is potatoes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it took a while to work out that the fries. It's not potatoes, it's fries. <laughs> or you go tell, uh, yeah, they, they, I had many funny encounters. I'll tell you after the meeting about them. Like, I, I want the 12 chicken nuggets. We don't sell 12 chicken nuggets. It's there. Uh, it's only six. Oh, give me two sixes. <laughs> I know. It's, I know it says six, but I want the 12. Uh, I'm just waking you up. So, and, and they said, go. So when, when the, and, and they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us Make us a name, and we, uh, le- lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And there is, there is a dangerous formula there. There is a fear. They don't want to be scattered. When you have a fear, and we all do, if you don't take it to God, it can lead you into very, very dangerous places. Very dangerous places. They have a desire to always exist. They have a desire to make a name. We want the whole world to know who we are. But that led them to a dangerous place. If you take it to the Lord, the Lord is gracious. I love that verse in 
uh, when he said, like, uh, his thought toward us are not thought of evil, but of good. And at the word end, he said, he'll work with us, to, he'll bring us to an expected ending. We know. You don't have to be afraid with God. You don't have to be afraid with him, you know. And that's why Babel, there, what they had declared, really, you see, well, what, what, what's with God? What did he do? Because there, what they start declaring, their independence from God. We don't want you. We're good enough. We can do it in our own. And we have a plan, actually, and it worked. That is conflicting plan, and I hope you're sitting here today, and you don't have any conflicting plan with God. I don't want to name anything. I don't want to offend anyone. But you have a plan. Make sure that they match with God's plan. Because if they don't, it doesn't need a PhD to tell you who's going to win. He will win. Over and over again. Make sure that your plan falls down. And coming to that, there is a certainty in life we don't like to speak about it. Uh, every time you speak about it, people are upset. It's called death. We will all die. I wish, I wish you long life, and I wish I'll be the first one to die here. But it doesn't change a thing. We will all die. So did you make your plan for eternity? What is your plan? One day you're going to leave this world, you're going to close your eyes and find yourself in a different place. Maybe you know or you don't know, God already looked at your life, already now, and declared you a sinner. Maybe you don't feel it. When I was 20 years old, I didn't. I had a close to a perfect life. I was brought in a good family, good value. We weren't religious. My father and mother didn't have a Bible. We never went to church, rarely, like Easter. I never touched drugs. All the alcohol I drank all my life doesn't accumulate to two liters. Uh, I smoked three cigarettes all my life. Never had relation. But God declared me a sinner, still. Actually, I didn't need his declaration. I knew. I never had a peace. I had that void in my heart. Everything was going vanilla. Doing well in school. I have good relationship with my family. I have plan for the future. When I go to France and get my PhD. But that void. There is no purpose to life. And I look at mom and dad sometime, I go into my room and cry and say, what's the purpose of life? They work, 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 and then we eat, and then we wake up the next day, and we go to work, and we bring food home, and we eat, and we buy clothes, and we buy cars, and we buy homes. And, but what's the purpose of it? It looked to me like a, a, a stupid life. I don't want to leave it. Many times I, get, I never was brave to kill myself, but I didn't mind dying. Until like in 1982 when someone uh, at uni started witnessing to me and telling me how God died for me. And he told me that God declared me a sinner. Yeah, to tell you the truth, I didn't feel I am a big sinner. But I took God's word for it. 
if he sees me a sinner, then I'm a sinner. Maybe you sit there and say, like, oh, I don't feel I'm a big sinner. I'm, I'm, I'm better than most. Well, maybe you are. But God declared you a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many ways can you explain all? And maybe you come to me and say, like, oh, maybe God is generalizing, meaning majority. Romans 3.10. As it's written, there is none righteous. No, not one. How many ways can you explain no, not one? God declared you and me sinners. And if it stopped there, you can still rely on some thought to, to feel at peace. But this verse that scares me a lot, John, John 3.36, he has, he that believes on his son has ever, you see, the biggest, the, the biggest blessing on earth is that Jesus came. And it's also the biggest curse for some. Because he that believes on his son has everlasting life. But if you don't, his coming, dying on the cross and resurrection is not good news for you. At all. And God is offended by your stand that you're ignoring his God, you're ignoring the sacrifice on the cross, you're ignoring the resurrection, and you don't want that salvation. That isn't a middle ground. And he didn't leave. And I'll tell you the bit that scares me in that verse. And he that believes not on the Son shall not see life. And many people up to today, they're okay. Or I don't want eternal life. Many people told me that to my face. I don't, wanna, I don't want eternal life. I just want to live the way I want to live. And whatever happens, happens. But the problem is in the rest of the verse. But the wrath of God abides on him. Do you know what that means? You're already judged. Judgment is not coming. You're already judged. If you believe in the Son, you have eternal life. If you don't believe, the wrath of God will abide. That means it's already there, and it will remain there. So don't think you're neutral, and then, ah, I take Jesus or I don't, and something will happen. No, you're already declared a sinner. I am declared a sinner. We're already judged with everlasting life away. And let me give you some news. Maybe you didn't get it. You will live forever. Many people think, ah, eternal life is only for the Christian. You will live forever. With or without God. Many people don't miss that simple fact. They think, ah, if I don't believe in Christ, that's it. This is the end. It's not the end. You will leave. God put that life in, in Adam and this is what makes us different from all his creation that will live forever, soul will remain forever, you will spend eternity somewhere, you don't have a choice as to whether you want to live forever or not, but you have a choice to where, where you want to spend your eternity and you better take that seriously not only God declared you a sinner, not only like he, he, he judged us you see when that gangland killing was going into Melbourne. They often put it on the news. And I know it's dangerous to talk about them with many Italians around, but oh, it's, it's a good example. <laughs> I hope none of you is connected. But. <laughs> and often they, 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 they put, uh, they put that, that funeral, and it so happened three times that carrying the coffin out and the music is playing. What music? Anyone remember? I did it. I did it my way. Frank Sinatra. And now you didn't. 
You didn't do it your way. You did it Satan way. You don't have it. Many people think, oh, I'm free. I'll do whatever. You're not doing whatever you like. You're either doing what God wants or what Satan wants. Like one preacher once told me, there is only two options on the shelf. You're pleasing God or you're pleasing self. You think, ah, free, I can change, I'll do whatever I like. Salvation is ordained by God, the way it's set by God to go through uh, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Don't try hard. So what is your plan for eternity? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe you're a sinner? What's your plan? Are you accumulating work? Are you relying on some Christian thing that happened to you when you were a child? Or a younger style? Let me tell you, when you go to meet God, uh, regarding salvation, He's only looking for one resume. There is, uh, on it, there is only one skill. I believed in Jesus. He's not looking for many entries on it. Did you ever repent? Repent these day, days is a dirty word. Nobody want to hear it. You tell people to repent and they get offended. Well, it's not me. And the time of this ignorance gone, I winked at, now, but now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. There's an order. And we started that message saying when God gave orders, He means them. You cannot change them. You cannot delude them. You can go do something else. Did you ever repent? Ephesians 2, 8, 7, and you talk about, uh, to Pastor Frank about it. If you read it, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of work, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in the and I challenge you, go home, if you want to work out your salvation, go and start underlining a few words. It says it's by grace. It says it's through faith. It says it's not of yourself. It says it's a gift from God. It says it's not of works. Are you saved? What is your plan for eternity? And as a Christian, we shouldn't also, like, uh, I rejoice in verse 10 more than 8 and 9 even, because we said, and we are his workmanship created in Christ. Many people think, like, I'll get saved, I'll sit on my backside, and this is it. I'm saved, I'm destined for heaven. But this is not what he said. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before or that. Are you doing the work of God? Are you working with God? One more point and I'm done. I won't be long. As a Christian also, so first we see the judgment of the languages. Then we saw that God is, has, has, has some command to them and they have a different plan. And really scary if your plan don't match with God's plan. And you can go do things but actually, the rest of the story is even scary. It shows you many, many things that you need to be... Look what they said. Man's success can become a trap for him. I said, let's make a brick. And it worked. And actually, if you see how, how they made the brick, it's a genius. If I understand the material correctly, it's even then the brick we have to die. 
you have a slime and that, and you can cook them really. I lived in a part of the world that did something similar. It's very solid. It's good. So success. But then there is another plan. Let's build a city. And success is good. We all love it. We all like it. But uh, if it's not from God, you need to judge whether it's from God. Are you succeeding with God? Or are you succeeding away from God? Taking adventures and, and, and you know God that doesn't agree with them and, and they, they are not consistent with his command or what he told us to do. And you're saying, I have success. Actually, when you go to the heart of success, success in life, in the Christian life, is doing what God wants you to do. That's it. When you look at Paul, when he talked to Timothy, what did he tell him? I fought the good fight. He didn't even say, I won. You know that as Christians, we don't have to win. All we have to do is win fight, the good fight. God will win. It's not us who will win. Sometimes God in His grace let, make us win, but this shouldn't be our focus. God will not permit a proud, rebellious act to succeed. And please put that in your heart, because when you look at the world around you now, it's so much rebellious, so much hatred for God, so much immorality. It's a scary world out there. I'll tell you the truth, I don't want to lie to you, I'm, I'm, I'm over 50, but I'm scared to leave home if I'm not sure God will protect me. I feel have no wisdom to deal with what comes across without God's word. I can't live in my own. I don't belong here. The way they think, the way they talk, the way they, that they don't have any right or wrong to get what they want. Sin everywhere. We don't belong here. We, we can't live in this world without God's help. And that's, this is really should be the heart of our fight with the evolutionists. God, is in, we're, we're going back where we started. God is so essential to us. We're not fighting a, a scientific battle. Uh, God is not a concept for us. He's a person we meet every day, we pray to, He guides us, and we seek His wisdom on a daily basis. Is that your God? A person or just a concept? Many people, when I talk to people, like, many people say, I believe in God. No, you don't. You believe in the concept of God, that there is something up there, and He controls things, that this is not God. This is not God. God became a person in, in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, you don't have that relationship, a personal relationship. That's why like, it's vain to say, I know God, but you don't know Jesus Christ. It doesn't work. I knew God from before. They told me about that God. I'm Orthodox by birth. But as I grew and come to the Lord and, 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 and surrounded my life to Him, the God that I come to know is very different from that God that told me about. They told me about a God who is very judgmental, he's angry all the time. He, he, he's, a, he's like a schoolmaster sitting out there, he's just waiting for me to make a mistake and slap me. And, and this is not the God of the Bible. God loves you. If you forget everything today, don't forget that word. I hope you take it with you and you're not. God loves you. I don't know how far you think from God. God wants you back. 
God will give you the means to go back if you repent and submit your heart to Him. And don't be deceived, seeing like, ah, thinking, ah, the evil is winning, the evil word is winning. Uh, Peter tells us why the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Don't think, ah, God is just leaving things run and He's losing control. As some men count slackness, but it's long, His long-suffering, His long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish. God is just being patient because He wants to bring more and more to His kingdom, more and more to His salvation. Let me tell you something. You might be a person here who's sitting and believing. I say, oh, God is a loving God. He'll take care of me. You could get yourself in a place. Even God cannot help you. If you close your eyes without giving your life to Jesus Christ, there is no one who can help you after that. If you're expecting any health in the other life, that is none. If you have issues with God, if you're not sure, talk to your pastor. To today is the day to give your life to Christ. You know what? I like uh, sort of uh, maybe I got relying on God. Love. He loved you through Jesus Christ. If you reject Jesus Christ, you're rejecting His love. What do you expect? Do you know the Lord? Did you give your life to Jesus? And really the end of the story is a sad end. The whole rebellious business started because they didn't want to be scattered. If you remember what they said, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face. This is the fear they had. But this is exactly what happened. And actually, I don't know what your fear is today uh, when you come to the issue of God and eternity, but if you want to solve those away from God, your fear will become your reality. Uh, I don't want that for you. Because when God came down and said it's not good, He confounded that language and, 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 and really scattered them. The, this, the thing that really feared the most became their reality. They began scattered. Do you have any fear when it comes to eternity? It all can be resolved in Jesus Christ. If you have a repentant heart, if you tell God, God, really, I, I, I am a sinner. Or even if you're a Christian, you have issues with God. You have plans. You have a plan you know God doesn't agree with. And remember, don't fool yourself. The success. Ah, I did that step. I know God is not, but it's going well. Then it's going well. The bit that says me in the Bible that when God starts moving, He moves swiftly. And listen to him, like in verse 3, go to, come, let us build, make a brick. Verse 4, go to, let us build a city. Uh, the last go to came from God. And verse 7, go to, let us go down and confound their language and scatter them. And we still scattered till that day. I don't know what the plan you have, you, you know. And, uh, let me tell you something, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to see you again. It's Veva. So if you hate me a little bit, it's okay. 
God, there is a reason why God gives us pastors. So we can ask them. We can seek godly counsel. Instead of going and having those plan and then everything break loose and we come and sometimes I'm sorry to tell you I've been through a lot in my life and other some problems are not fixable you will pay for them forever God will forgive you He will restore you but some some problem you could get yourself in are not fixable you cannot fix them and the bit, bit the last bit that scares me and I'll let Pastor Frank if God comes from heaven to inspect our project today, we all have project, we have plan. And that day God came from heaven and said, let's see what they are doing. I said, I don't like it. I don't like it. If God comes to inspect my plan today and your plan, your family life and my family life. Your relationship with your church. Your relationship with others. As a Christian, it might help us a lot to understand that God should be everywhere. A marriage is not made from a man and a woman. It's a man and a woman and God. A relationship with children is not made of fathers and children, parents and children. His parents, children, and God. And God should be in the center. He should be consulted. His word should need to be on and everything. And no wonder why you see people have that confound language. The wife speaking one language and the husband speaking another. The children are speaking one language and the father. Because there are too many plans that don't agree with what God told us. And I hope today, like we really... Uh, next time we open the Bible and we see a God's command, that, let's, let's remember that when God says something, He really means it. He's not going back on it. He's not changing His mind. May the Lord bless you all. Pastor Frank. Thank you, Pastor Jamil. Um, I'm sure that every one of us has something or more than one thing to take away from that message today. Um, it spoke to me and I'm sure it spoke to you. And if I was to add anything or say anything more, I'd be taking away from that message. So I won't, other than to repeat what the challenge that he actually shared already, which is if you don't know Jesus Christ today, there is no coming back from that when you pass away. There is no resolution for that. There is no answer. And the only thing that you have waiting for you is an eternity away from God in a terrible, terrible, lonely place which we don't want anyone to be in. So if you aren't 100% sure today that if you were to die when you walked out these doors or even while you're sitting in your seat, make sure... Because there is no more important question than you can answer than am I saved? Have I accepted Jesus Christ as my saviour? If you don't know the answer to that, if you're not perfectly sure that if you died you'd be with him in heaven, 
then make sure today. Anything other than that is just playing around with rubbish. Just playing around with nothing and just wasting time. So I want to thank Brother Jamil for that message again today. And I, yeah, I'm sure you were moved by it as well. God bless you all. Let's close in a word of prayer. And Brother Don, you can lead us in a, uh, a final hymn before we uh, close up. Let's pray. Father in heaven, once again, Lord, um, we are blessed by your word. And Father, we pray, we pray that if there are any here who don't know you now, that they would be convicted in their heart of the sin that they're carrying around, that they would truly understand that they are under the wrath of God. And it's not where you want them to be. We know that. But that you love them. And your intent is that there would be none that would perish, but that all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you once again for the precious gift that was given to us. The gift that you allowed to hang on a tree. The gift who gave his own blood for us, that we might be cleansed of all of our sin. Father, I pray that you would lead us now by your grace. That you would help us to see Jesus. And if there are Christians here who need to examine their hearts and to change what they're doing because their plans aren't aligned with yours, Father, I pray that they would do it today. Thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for our Saviour. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.